love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. I got to read you this email. This came in, uh, I think, yesterday. And it's right in your wheelhouse. You will really enjoy this. It's from Beth. She says, hey, kids, several times over the last few weeks, I've encountered something that made me think, oh, I got to text Kat and Jethro before realizing I don't actually know you. (laughs) (laughs) I love listening to your podcast. And uh, as several other people have mentioned, I've nearly gotten myself in multiple accidents laughing uh, so hard. Tears have rolled down my face. Now, she she uh, she has several suggestions for different topics, but I found this really interesting. She said, Cat, back in the day, you covered the calendar and you received some gripes about it uh, not being an oddity. Boo. <laughs> I thought it was delightful. You may also be interested in archaic letters. Yes, please. That is letters we once used, but no longer use. All day long. I wrote an informative speech about this a few years ago. I'm an English teacher and found it fascinating. I would be glad to send you what I created if it's uh, at all interesting to you. One of the more fun points is this. The ampersand, that, you know, the and symbol, it used to be considered a letter. What? The word ampersand, chronologically, came after the word and. The alphabet used to end with the phrase and, per se, and. And the kids just sort of slurred their way into ampersand. Those kids and their lazy tongues. Oh my goodness, that's so fascinating. So ampersand means and, comma, per se, comma, and. I love that. Beth in Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh my gosh, Beth, that's amazing, incredible. Thank you so much. I love that. Oh, that's really fascinating. This is a learning journey for all of us. It isn't really it? is. That's fantastic. And it's funny that she said she thought about uh, texting us and then realized that she couldn't. Um, and I, I have several friends who I've talked to, and they're like, you know, I feel kind of bad because you know I listen to you all week, and then you try to like share something with me, and I'm like, yeah, I already know, dummy. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Why do we hang out? 
it is weird how this community is developing to the point where we all kind of feel like we know each other on a personal level. It's true. It's pretty great. You know, when we were at Zany's and did our live show and we were meeting people for the very first time, I felt like I knew everybody already. Well, you were, I mean, throwing out names before people said them, and it was it was quite impressive. I'm not the best <laughs> with names, so when you were like, oh my gosh, it's scary, and you're... <laughs> I was like, what? How are you doing this? Are you a wizard? <laughs> I'm a name and face wizard. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to uh, talk to you a little bit about uh, something that, again, is a recent news story. And uh, I just find it fascinating. I called my information from Smithsonian Magazine, Live Science and Gizmodo. Okay. All right. The enormous Batagaika crater, which is formed as rising temperatures have thawed the Siberian permafrost, it's causing ice and soil to collapse into an expansive pit. And scientists believe that uh, the exposed layers of soil in the crater could reveal over 200,000 years of climate history. Oh, because, oh, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, since it began to grow, Probably sometime in the mid-1980s, the crater has revealed a number of very interesting things, uh, including a number of long-frozen animals, and every so often, a nearly intact animal. An ancient creature will emerge from Siberia's permafrost. Now, we've, we've all heard about the, uh, the woolly mammoths. Of course. That have been discovered in the Siberian permafrost. Last year a local resident stumbled upon an extinct cave lion cub that had been trapped and preserved in the permafrost for thousands of years. It was a little kitty. Others have also found uh, a 9,000-year-old bison, a juvenile woolly rhino, ancient roundworms. I don't care about that. (laughs) Till they're in your eye. Stop it. (laughs) And several other examples. This is amazing. Do we know how long the permafrost has been perma? Yes, well, many of these specimens are 20, 30,000 years old. They've been, they, they've been dead for 20 or 30,000 years. So a group of scientists in August of this past year, 2018, a team of Russian and Japanese scientists were um, investigating the area. Really, it was more of a, um, a climate study than an archaeological dig or paleontological Paley or, or paleon. A diggy uppy. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. A diggy uppy. Um, so they're there and they see something that catches their eye, something a little unusual. So they bring in some paleontologists and they found what appeared to be a little young horse inside the 328 foot deep um, crater. Oh my goodness. Now, this was on August the 11th of last year. The Siberian Times reported it was a foal. This foal died 42,000 years ago. Whoa. Belongs to an extinct species known as the Equus lenisus. Googling it. Which is genetically different from modern living horses today. It appeared as though the unfortunate... Oh, it's fluffy. I'm sorry. I Googled a picture. Well, it's not a picture. It's an artist's rendering. But you know what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. The unfortunate uh, horse was only about two months old. According to uh, researchers that examined uh, the remains, they say probably 
it uh, fell into some sort of a natural trap. It looked as though it got stuck in mud and then drowned in mud and was pretty quickly frozen. The intact body is, it's astonishing. A young foal that died 42,000 years ago. Its mummified remains were so well preserved by the icy conditions that the skin, the hooves, the tail, and even tiny hairs inside the animal's nostrils and around its hooves are still visible. Oh my goodness. So that freezing process, I imagine, is what what kept that... Yeah. It was almost flash frozen. Wow. There have been other well-preserved specimens that have been found in, in that area, but they say that they were surprised by the quality of the foal's remains. The animal is, according to the uh, expert who examined it, his name is uh, Mr. Grigorov. He says it's the best preserved ancient foal that has ever been found. The body is whole, undamaged, measures about 39 inches, that's 98 centimeters tall at the shoulder, according to Siberian Times. Scientists uh, have collected many samples of the foal's hairs and tissue for testing, and they're pretty excited about the idea of examining the body more thoroughly to find out, you know, what he ate and how he lived 42,000 years ago. Whoa. Now, even though there are still wild horses that populate that area today, uh, none of this species, the species died out about 30,000 years ago. Grigorov told the Siberian Times that the ancient species of horse is genetically distinct from modern horses, but yet similar in so many ways. This group also is responsible for finding that uh, Ice Age kitten that I mentioned a few minutes ago, and also a baby mammoth they nicknamed Layuba, who died after choking on mud 40,000 years ago. That's just, uh, wow. They actually found a small mammoth so well-preserved and who had died so quickly, he still had a mouthful of buttercups. That's how quickly he died and was, and was so completely preserved. And a mouthful of food. So they took the pony, this little foal, to uh, a laboratory to perform an autopsy. They were amazed at what they found. Amazed. It determined that all of its organs were intact and tissues were complete and full. Grigoryev said the autopsy has shown beautifully preserved organs and muscle tissue preserved with their natural reddish color. In addition, the autopsy found, of course, it still had hair on its head and legs and in all over its body, which is really rare. That's crazy. And it, I think part of what really blows my mind about this is it's being so intact. Because generally after a, a little animal like that will die, something else will eat it. Yeah. Um, birds, toothy cats, something. You know, I don't know what was going on at that time in that area. Saber-toothed tigers. Right. Creatures of prey. But yeah, it appeared as though this little guy, like a lot of the mammoths that they have found, the smaller uh, baby mammoths, they got stuck in, in this mud, drowned in the mud, were immediately covered, and then there was a freezing... Right, so they weren't exposed to the elements to have something nibble on them. Got right. it. And what caused the, the incredible flash freezing? Was it climate change? Many scientists theorized that it had to do with... Um, 
either a, a meteor mm-hmm. or a comet strike. It has not been determined. They said that he was this little guy was so well preserved that they could tell that uh, the color of its fur was bay. It was a bay color. It had a black tail and a black mane. I'm sorry. What is bay colored? It's like a brownish, brindly kind of. Is that a horse term? Yeah. B-A-Y. Bay is a hair coat color of horses characterized by a brown body color with a black mane, tail, ear edges, and lower legs. Okay. Thank you. Their study showed that uh, at the moment of death, he was about two weeks old. Originally, they thought he was a couple of months old when they found him, but, but after examining him, they determined he's about two weeks old. So he wasn't, uh, he wasn't just born. He wasn't like born dead or anything like that. He had uh, a couple of weeks where he was struggling around. Previous cases of really well-preserved remains of, prehistor- uh, of prehistoric animals, the cause of death is drowning in mud. And then being frozen and turned into, uh, and the frozen mud being turned into permafrost. A lot of mud and silt, which the uh, the foal gulped during his last seconds of his life, were found inside the gastrointestinal tract. Now, in addition to finding out all of that information, they also found liquid blood. Oh my goodness! He still had liquid blood in his heart and urine in his bladder. Whoa. So what do you do with 42,000-year-old liquid blood? You do some research, I would imagine. As well as perfectly preserved tissue. Well, you clone him. No! A collaboration between the Northeastern Federal University and the South Korean Suwam Biotech Research Foundation. They're currently analyzing the remains of the foal with the explicit intent of cloning the prehistoric horse. Now, why? To do so, they would have to extract and grow viable somatic cells, something they have not been able to do yet. More than 20 attempts to grow cells have failed so far. This is recent news. They just announced the, uh, the blood and urine that they had found inside the animal. Mm-hmm. The first of this April, just like 30 oh, days wow. ago. It's it's a very recent story. So even though they have the blood, it's hard to get DNA from uh, like red blood cells, I guess. Okay, sure. So now they're moving on to the fresh tissue and they think that they're actually quite encouraged by what they're finding thus far. Um, encouraged as far as the thought a, that they'll be able to clone it. Yep. Pull out the DNA from the uh, the tissue because it's so perfectly preserved. Now, the company that partnered with the university, Suam Biotech, is the business, they're already in the business of cloning. They clone pet dogs in South Korea. And uh, its lead researcher, he's, he's a, a bit of a controversial uh, geneticist. He was accused of several ethics violations during the 2000s. Well, I would buy that. I mean, he clones things. And that's very controversial. It is indeed. It raises all sorts of ethical. And, it sure does. Yeah. But they're so far along in this particular uh, project already weeks into it. So advanced that the team is looking for a surrogate mayor for the historic role of giving birth to a comeback species. That's according to the Siberian Times. They're pretty excited about it. As we said, there are certainly serious ethical and technological issues that need to be addressed, according to the Times. Reviving species is controversial for 
a lot of reasons, including the diminished quality of life for the clone, which will be subject to experiments during its entire life. Right. The problem of genetic diversity, inbreeding, the absence of an Ice Age habitat to host the revived species. Kind of an important deal. The Russian-Korean collaboration is also trying to clone a woolly mammoth. They're in the process of, of, of doing that. They're having less encouraging results thus far. But they're thinking that the research that they've got from the uh, the foal project can be used to help resurrect the woolly mammoth as well. And it may happen sooner than we think. So clearly you're against this idea. Clearly. Yeah. Um, I am too, simply because... <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love you so much. I love that you just said, I am too, and then kind of shrugged at me like... <sighs> But, but but I have to admit the idea of bringing a species back to life is is fascinating to me. I'm not saying we should do it, but it's incredible to think that Jurassic Park could really happen. Yes, we've all seen Jurassic Park and how that turned out. Yeah, even the most recent one. What was that one called? Jurassic Park? Yeah, the most Jurassic. Ju- yeah, the Jurassic. Or Jurassic, I think. <laughs> Jur- was- Jurassic Parker. Oh, Jurassic Parkour would be fun. Well, bringing things back to life, not always a good idea. Um, one thing that happened, and this was kind of uh, by accident most recently, you know, I mentioned those uh, roundworms. Yep, 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 yep. Well, they'd been dead for about 40,000 years. Mm-hmm. Or so we thought. Oh. Because when they thawed out, they came back to life. Tiny microscopic worm. Been frozen what? since the Ice Age, the That's Pleistocene. Amazing. They were defrosted and revived, and uh, they were documented moving around and eating for the first time in 42,000 years. Let's all just take a moment yeah. and process that shit. That's Whoa. A, that's according to live science. And that's something to think about, too. When you're bringing this stuff back... They may it may bring with it diseases that we don't know about, uh, parasites that we're not familiar with how to fight. It just there there are lots of things that could go wrong. Which leads me to my next point. Okay. Sometimes just when the permafrost thaws, even without animals, it reveals surprises that are kind of unpleasant. It's like spring here. Yeah. <laughs> when when the snow melts and it's just a yard full of poop. Okay, go ahead. During a stretch of unusually warm weather and the uh, tundra started uh, thawing out again, anthrax spores that had been frozen revived and became active. The subsequent zombie anthrax outbreak killed more than 2,000 reindeer and sickened over a dozen people. This was anthrax that had been frozen in the Siberian tundra for millennia. So maybe we should take a moment and reconsider bringing back something from 42,000 years ago, although it would be wicked fucking cool. I don't know. I'm kind of into it now. No, you are. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to bring the little pony back, but anthrax, I'm in. (laughs) Um, I just think like... I struggle with cloning for any reason. It's not something that I can can bring myself to be about. But if we're going to clone things, why don't we focus on, let's say, like the 
uh, white rhino that just went extinct last year. Oh, that's a good point. Or, that's, that's a great point. So it seems a little selfish um, and short-sighted and immoral. Well, I mean, we all know that uh, the bees are struggling because, you know, they keep flying into people's eyes. Yeah, there are not enough eyeballs for all the no, bees. No. Fewer lawns, more eyeballs. Here's a photo of the two-week-old, 42,000-year-old foal. That's amazing. He looks like he just curled up for a nap. But he didn't. No. And he here, choked on mud and struggled until he died. There's a vial of his blood. That's incredible. I know. That's crazy. This made me so sad, though. Well, if you really want to get sad, there are actual videos of the autopsy available online. Yeah. So there you go. Well, the autopsy is fine. That's that. Yeah. It's just the idea of the the last moments of his life. He's gulping down mud. That that was a visual I, I never needed, and thanks. You're welcome. Have we ever been able to extract liquids from something that old? We've been able to extract liquids, blood specifically, from a woolly mammoth, but that woolly mammoth was 20,000 years dead. Mm -hmm. This shatters that record it does. Okay. 42,000 years old that's nuts that's that's amazing and this is this is a contemporary story it's it's happening right now right those scientists are doing immoral things right at this moment yep according to me and my personal beliefs you're allowed <laughs> to believe whatever you want banjo's horrified by that idea please don't clone me mama i don't want to live again it's not me inside anymore it's like Pet cemetery. The first one, not the second one, the good one. It began as that stuff that didn't seem to fit anywhere else. It's become that thing in the middle. Today on That Thing in the Middle, Weird Marathon World Records. From the Guinness Book of World Records. Number five, somebody holds the title for fastest half marathon, dressed as a clown. Number four, congratulations to Mark Williamson, who holds the world record for fastest marathon dressed as a telephone box. <laughs> Number three, somebody actually holds the Guinness World's record for fastest marathon dressed as a crustacean. That's a competitive category. Number two, Philip Powell in London holds the world record for fastest marathon dressed as Mr. Potato Head. And number one, there is a Guinness World Record holder for fastest marathon dressed as a three-dimensional aircraft male category. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. You know, we have a website, uh, theboxofoddities.com, and people who have been there, uh, a number of them have said, who did your website? Well, so nice, they've said. I'm proud to say I did it. Well. Sort of. I mean, you you helped do it. Yeah. When we first started the podcast, uh, you said, we really need a website. And I said, yes, we do. And you said, who will do it for us? And I said, I will because I knew about Wix. W-I-X. Wix. Turns out it's awesome. 
It was very easy to do. I did it myself. The variety of websites that you can create with Wix, there's a professional solution for every need, no matter what kind of website you're looking for. So yeah, I mean, we needed a podcast website. So we were like, okay, well, we want kind of like an about us feature and then um, a way so that you could actually listen to our episodes. And with Wix, it was so easy. And we wanted a certain atmosphere fear at the website and we were able to find everything we needed at Wix and it's gotten even better Wix just launched Wix Turbo which means all sites made with Wix now load faster than ever and they take care of all the heavy lifting so like reliable hosting to keep your website safe and secure and custom domains and mailboxes They make us look like we know what we're doing. (laughs) And that is no small feat. If they can make us (laughs) look like we know what we're doing, they can really help you. It's technologically advanced. The platform enables you to create whatever you want yourself, whether you're a beginner or you're a business owner or an advanced designer or a professional website builder. And you will not believe the great results you will get from Wix. Wix wants to make it as easy as possible for you to get your website up. If you're a Box of Oddities listener, which you are because you're listening, then here's what you do. Go to Wix.com and use promo code BOX1. That's our that um that's our promo code. Yeah. For Wix.com. Right. Go to Wix.com and then use promo code BOX1. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you. Wix is going to take great care of you and give you an amazing website. What's it going to take to get you into this website today? I'll tell you. You go to Wix.com and use promo code BOX1. The podcast world is growing bigger every day, and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters some love with Himalaya's Tip Jar. It's free, it's the easiest to use, and we're adding cool new features every day. Go to your app store, download Himalaya. That's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A. And don't forget to follow the box of oddities once you're there you're listening to the box of oddities the question is why all right what you got for me he said with unbridled enthusiasm and a unrestrained anticipation all right this is actually a thing that we've talked about before but we haven't covered it we just mentioned it okay 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 jumping frenchman of maine we didn't talk about this i thought we did no we didn't talk about this Jumping Frenchman of Maine yeah? is an extremely rare disorder, which is characterized by an unusually extreme startle reaction. One of the things that I enjoyed the most about this learning journey that I took was that when people refer to their disorder as Jumping Frenchman of Maine, mm-hmm. they say, I have Jumping Frenchman of Maine. Let me tell you my story. That's the name of the disorder. It is. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. (laughs) That's crazy. So your startle response is a largely unconscious defensive uh, response to sudden or threatening stimulus, Uh, sharp movements, loud noises. They say that it uh, it's it's directly connected to our early ancestors to keep them from falling asleep in the trees and falling out and 
killing themselves or injuring themselves. That's one of the the benefits of a startle reflex. Right. Um, it's also uh, our most primal brain is working to keep us safe at all times. Right. So if something loud happens, we need to react to it immediately. Mm-hmm. Usually the onset of the startle response is a startle reflex reaction. So the startle response and the startle reflex are two different things and they work together. Okay. The startle reflex is a brainstem reaction that serves to protect your vulnerable parts, such as the back of the neck, uh, which is called... It triggers a whole body startle. And then your eyes have a startle reflex. That's that's a blink. Like when you hardcore blink because something's coming at you. Right, right. Even though your eye doctor keeps telling you, stop doing that. We have to do this puff test. You need to stop backing away from the thing. And I'm like, I know I don't intend to do it. I'm sorry. I know you go through this 19 times a day. I hate being part of that. But I'm going to continue blinking. Dramatically, even while I'm apologizing for doing it. (laughs) This is all true. It just happened. Her most recent eye exam. Many species have startle reflexes, which makes good sense. Uh, But an individual's emotional state might also lead to a variety of responses. Uh, The startle response is also implicated in the formation of specific phobias. Now, that's something that I think would be really interesting to dig into a little bit more is that connection between your startle reflex and the emergence of certain phobias. Wow. So it makes me think of that story. And this is this is way back in in my brain parts. Something about keeping a baby in a box and then scaring him every time a white fluffy thing showed up. You guys know what I'm talking about? Benjamin in the box or sounds like a BF Skinner. It's very BF Skinner. Yes, yes, exactly. exactly. Behavioral study. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll come back to that at, at some other time. But I, I just think that's fascinating. So jumping Frenchman of Maine is so named because the individuals who were first discovered to have this condition in a large group uh, were lumberjacks in the Moosehead Lake region of Maine. Um, hey. That's where we are. And it was first described by George Miller Beard in 1878. Beard had a unique interest in unusual disorders and took the opportunity to come up here and visit with some of these jumping Frenchmen and recorded startled jumping and tick-like behaviors among the French Canadians and lumberjacks who lived near uh, the Moosehead Lake region. And he published his descriptions of the jumping Frenchmen in 1880 he believed that the condition was hereditary, which... Would make sense. It would make sense. A genetic thing. Right. Because it's so localized. Right. The symptoms of jumping Frenchmen of Maine usually begin after puberty or during the t- teenage years. Now, can you stop just for a moment? Yep. When the startle episode happens, mm-hmm. how does it manifest itself? Do the, are you getting to that? Oh, yeah. Okay, for sure. I'm sorry. Okay, for sure. go ahead. Because it's not just like, oh, like that. No, it's a little bit more dramatic. That's right. We're on the verge of it now. Okay. Individuals affected by this disorder display an exaggerated and sometimes strange startle reaction consisting of jumping, which, you know. Sure. 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 That's not unusual. Uh, Screaming, flailing of the arms, hitting or throwing objects if they have something in their hand. In addition, some affected individuals might exhibit automatic or forced obedience after the startle response has been triggered, 
where if they are startled yeah and then someone gives them an order they will do it they will do it <gasps> do you think saran saran had jumping frenchman of maine maybe <laughs> oh that's so sad what a different world we'd live in I've, I've read descriptions of some of the more extreme responses as they almost appear as though they're dancing like right. they just, you know, they get startled and they jump up and just, you know, do a lumberjack hoedown. It's a little leapy for sure. Wow. Um, and jumping is one of the more common. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it's called the jumping Frenchman of Maine. But these, the instances where a an individual might follow a command, the orders that they would follow following this startle reflex are things that they wouldn't do otherwise. Even things like that they actively would work against having done. So, so it's almost like uh, hypnotic suggestion. Yes. Or hypnosis, period. Yeah. Um, they have a moment where it's almost like their brain is available to mm. someone else's suggestion. And they it was described by a boy uh, that I was, I was watching a video about. Uh, he said it was like he was a puppet. Wow. He described a situation where he and his brother were on the playground and his brother scared him and then said, pull your pants down. Oh, no. And the kid pulled his pants down and he was mortified. Obviously, it was yeah. not something he wanted to do. And he said it felt like he was a puppet and he didn't have any control over that. Kids. Right. Am I right? Um, Beard wrote this in 1880. Wait. Now, this inability to control themselves from doing things they normally wouldn't do mm -hmm. for how long a period after it's a the start? short period okay just like yeah milliseconds or, or a couple of seconds yeah it's it's short okay it's not it's not long enough to get into a hotel kitchen okay i thought i might have been on to something no there. beard wrote <laughs> in 1880 one of the jumpers, while sitting in his chair with a knife in his hand, was told to throw it, and he threw it quickly so that it struck in a beam opposite. At the same time, he repeated the order to throw it. So oh. they sometimes will also repeat back things that are said to them, mimic sounds that they huh. hear. Huh. I had a friend when I was a kid that had an unusual tick where he would say something and then he'd whisper it to himself after he said it. Like he'd say, I'm going to go across the street now. I'm going to go across the street now. There's a show where there's a kid that does that really? on it. Really? I can't think of it's. Wait, it's coming to me. Hold on. The middle, I think. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, the young one, I think, does that. Huh. Weird. That exact thing. That's weird. Yeah. Is that show still on? I don't know. I don't know. I never anyway, watched it. Anyway, I I, I've seen clips of it. But um, he goes on to write that the uh, commands are uttered in a quick, loud voice. He would do what he was told and also repeat the order. Hmm. When told to strike, he strikes. When told to throw, he throws. Whatever's in his hands. Uh, he goes on to say, it's not necessary that the sound should come from a human being. Any sudden or unexpected noise as the explosion of a gun or a pistol, the falling of a window or the slamming of a door, provided it be unexpected and loud enough, would cause the jumpers to exhibit some or all of these phenomena. That is that is amazing. I had no idea it was it, it went to that extreme. I didn't either. I thought you clap your hands and they get ha -ha. up and, and dance or right. something. A little, that, yeah. little hoo-hoo-hoo. Ooh, yeah. And then move on with your day. Sure. No. And this is 
I don't know. The idea of the the puppetry of it makes me feel so much more empathy for someone who suffers from this because that's got to be a terrible feeling. Mm. In addition, this original group of uh, Frenchmen that were afflicted were said to be generally very shy and also very ticklish. And I wonder huh. if those things are interesting connected. Um, maybe the ticklishness is tied into that startle reflex and you know the the i don't know i don't know Hmm. Uh, according to rarediseases.com in most cases the symptoms lessened in frequency and severity as affected individuals grow older except usually the more frequently an individual is startled the more severe and stereotyped is the response so if someone's life is allowed to be calm and measured and they aren't forced into that startle reflex that creates these reactions, the frequency that it will happen to them goes down. It decreases. But the more often it happens to them, the more often it will happen so to them. So it's self-reinforced. It is. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating thing to hear. Jumping Frenchmen of Maine can dramatically impact daily life because of your inability to control or mediate stimuli in the course of a day. Just think about the number of times in a day that something is loud or unexpected or comes at you and you're like, ah, what, yeah, what right, is happening? Right. And in the original group that was studied, some of them were often teased deliberately, causing an increase in the frequency of the severity of the episodes. Once these people were identified as sufferers from this affliction, I guess is something to call it, um, those around them would do it just for their own amusement. Yes. Boo, pull your pants down. Yeah. Jumping Frenchmen of Maine is not specific to Maine, though. Uh, There are also groups that have been found in Louisiana, um, which is like the Cajun jumping. French Arcadians. Right. Right. Uh, Malaysia, India, Somalia, Yemen, the Philippines, and (laughs) Siberia. Dr. William Hammond, who is a former United States Surgeon General, was in Siberia. He was uh, working with three naval officers who were assigned there, and he was observing what in Siberia at the time was called Miryachit, M-I-R-Y-A-C-H-I-T, which I guess translates to doer of foolish things. On this boat where these naval officers worked, there was a steward who suffered from jumping Frenchman of Maine. I don't think that's what it was called then, but okay. Um, And it seemed that he was pretty uh, harshly tormented by the other people Mm. on this boat. Um, To annoy him, the Surgeon General wrote, some of the passengers imitated pigs grunting or called out absurd names. They would clap their hands and shout or jump and throw hats on deck. And suddenly the poor steward suddenly started would echo them all precisely and sometimes several consecutively. Frequently, he would beg people not to startle him and would grow furiously angry. But even in the midst of his passion, he would helplessly imitate some ridiculous shout or motion directed at him by his pitiless torment. That is so, so sad. That's something that uh, I never considered because I didn't understand this mm. part of of Jumping Frenchman. And as I was reading it, I could not help but feel like just overcome with 
sadness that i mean that this person lived yeah. this way and yeah. that that uh the people that were doing this to him didn't seem to realize or didn't seem to care how negatively they were affecting mm. his life mm. which is just a shame what causes jumping frenchmen of maine uh, considering that most of these sufferers are closely related, it may have some sort of genetic component. Um, but there are also those that believe that um, cultural norms could play a role into it, too. Hmm. Not that it would create the disorder, but that it could um, exacerbate it. We don't know the exact cause and we don't have a cure. It's just something that we we try to manage and and lessen the t- number of times that it happens so that it doesn't happen more. Yeah, don't uh, don't antagonize people with jumping Frenchmen of Maine. No, no, that's um, the uh, that's a horrible, horrible thing to do. That's pretty terrible. Yeah, it's cruel. It's terribly cruel. I would say akin to assault. Oh, it is assault. Thank you. And that's what I have for you. Jumping Frenchmen of Maine. Where did you get your information on that? Because uh, I want to learn more about that. Did uh, did you find a book on that or articles? There were a couple. I know um, you mentioned you'd watched a documentary on it. Yeah, that was that was on the old YouTubes. You mm, know, mm. you know, you know. Well, there was the one that I already mentioned. Okay, uh, rarediseases.com, uh, Gizmodo. Hey, you and I are both <laughs> with the Gizmodo today. And... Wikipedia, of course, a glorious place where information comes from. Oh, also damninteresting.com. I'm going to check and see if there's any any books. I'm sure there are books on it. I, I, I'm really fascinated by that now, and I want to spend some time learning. Thank you for piquing my interest. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> We're getting excited about our mini Halloween tour. Right now, we are... We're booked for the 29th of October at Comedy Zone in Charlotte, the 30th at Zany's Comedy Nightclub in Nashville, and pretty soon future dates to be announced. Amber is coming again. <laughs> yes. Amber Amber is a friend of ours who came with us for our very first show, and she was so helpful that we've decided to make her our road manager. Like force her to. It's, yeah, it's not even right. something she wants to We're do. We're not paying her. <laughs> anything she was so helpful with the bringing me of prescription medicines and (laughs) alcoholic beverages right not at the same time though no no sometimes yeah yeah by the time this episode drops tickets may be on sale you can check our website theboxofoddities.com click on live shows and we hope to see you at one of our um our live shows also, we only have to sell 16 rooms on a cruise in order to get my fare for free. So let's go. <laughs> We're researching the free cruise. A lot of people have asked about it since we mentioned it during the uh, live show at Zany's. Were you serious about doing a free cruise? We are looking into it. So maybe... We would do a live show on a cruise ship. You would come with us to Aruba or some other amazing place. And we would shuffleboard and we would... Drink. We would do that, too. (laughs) Poolside. I'm probably not going to need anxiety meds while we're on a cruise ship. So you'll get to know the real me. (laughs) That'll be fun. And a little dangerous. (laughs) We'll let you know how that shakes out. In the meantime, we will see you on Monday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. 
we wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.